0: Surprise! Welcome to a bonus episode of the Journey Women podcast. A few weeks ago, we wrapped up our Women of the Faith series, but there's one more woman I'd like to share with you. She's had a particularly strong influence on my journey with Jesus, Amy Carmichael. If you haven't heard, today I am releasing a brand new children's book with The Good Book Company on the life and ministry of Amy Carmichael entitled, Amy Carmichael, The Brown-Eyed Girl Who Learned to Pray. So today, I'm pulling back the curtain and sharing even more about why I chose to write about Amy and how her story has helped me trust God, even when I don't understand what He's doing in my life. Let's dive in. This is not the traditional Journey Women setup. As you know, I typically have a guest that I interview and we discuss various topics. But today, it's just you and me. I've been encouraged by many friends and even some of you to let you in on the reasons why I chose to write my newest book on Amy Carmichael called Amy Carmichael, the Brown Eyed Girl Who Learned to Pray. Now, if you don't know Amy, she was a missionary in India in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And I'm going to tell you how I connected with her story. When I was in college, I myself wanted to go to India and be a missionary. It was then that I connected with Amy and began reading anything that had her name on it. Of course, I deeply wanted to embody Amy's ministry in India. So I went to college hoping to get a degree in communication disorders to begin working as a speech pathologist overseas in India to work with Indian people on accent reduction stuff and use it kind of as a tent making occupation to begin building relationships over there with the hope of sharing the gospel, i.e. be a missionary. So I got my degree in speech language pathology and then I thought, man, I really need some time on the ground. I developed a friendship with a woman and her husband who had two kiddos that were in northern India at the time and I was going to go over as their nanny. Well, things didn't work out as I'd hoped, and. Then I ended up in a leadership program that I hoped would kind of further my preparation for going overseas called The Forge. Now, if you're a longtime Journeywoman listener, you remember Matt Lance. He's been on the podcast many times, and he ended up marrying my husband and me, who I met through The Forge program. So fast forward 11 years later, here we are happily married. But way back then, I didn't even want to go on the second date because I knew that if I did... I would be derailing all of my Indian dreams and that did happen or maybe not. And that's part of the story that I want to continue telling you today. So Brooks and I dated four and a half months and then got married and I found myself as a happily married, but circumstantially unhappy military spouse at Fort Hood in Texas I did not enjoy my new assignment as a military spouse, and I felt like I had missed God's calling on my life. (laughs) Truly, I laugh now, but it was a point of distress for me. I began to grow in my knowledge of God through His Word, and my understanding of His sovereignty and His provision for me grew as I continued to spend time in the scriptures and grow in my knowledge of who He is and His character. And that was by God's grace. Fast forward just a few kind of assignments. I began to understand that the Lord had sent me to use the language of Paul, like right where he had me with his assignment to be an ambassador for Christ and to bring with me the message of reconciliation, be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ to whom he has sent. And I took that role very seriously as a military spouse. And I saw many, many women Uh, who are interested in spiritual conversation. You know, We would be talking on the playground and then they might be moving a few weeks later. So I thought to myself, what if I just began getting into my closet like I am now and having conversations with mentors and friends that would encourage these ladies to plug into a local church and to look to the Bible for answers to the questions that they maintain. So I started the Journey Women podcast that you're listening to right now. Well, a couple of months later, I quickly realized that I would not be able to keep up with the demand of the podcast apart from receiving help. So I started looking at the analytics for Journeywoman, which if you don't know what analytics are, it's basically the numbers. I wanted to know how many people were listening and where were they listening. And there's this thing on the host, the hosting platform where we publish the podcast where you can look at the map of everywhere in the world that the podcast is being downloaded. I should have looked at it prior to starting this conversation with myself. But back then, there were some spots that were uber highlighted. Basically, they were lit up really big with numbers that meant a lot of people in these countries were listening. The first was the US, of course. I believe the second was Canada. The third was Australia. And guess what the fourth one was? It was India. How crazy is that, that all these years later, I think at the time it was probably five years later, the Lord was using me in my very own closet in Fort Campbell, Kentucky of all places, to have gospel-centered conversations that people in India were listening to. A couple of months after that, I received this very fascinating email. It said there was a group of missionaries in Northern India. I'm not going to mention any organizations or anything for safety purposes, using the podcast in their missionary training. I couldn't even believe it. And then beyond that, there was another girl who emailed me and she was doing work in India and she said, Hey, we don't have a way to download the the podcasts, but could you just send me like the, the MP3s? And so every week after I would edit, I, I believe I sent them to this girl for like months, years, maybe. <laughs> And so the point is that the Lord in his kindness is still allowing me to have some touches with India. And and that's not even all of the touches. But what I want to tell you is there's such a connection for me with Amy's life because there's a story behind the story where Amy Carmichael, you know, ended up doing ministry with women and children, many of whom had been rescued from prostitution in Hindu temples the story that we know and love of Amy in Southern India. Let's just go back to when she felt called to be a missionary. So Amy became a believer as a teenager and her dad actually passed away tragically when she was an older teen. And um, afterwards, she began keeping this little book that she called her Ask and Receive book. And in that book, she would actually record all of her prayer requests and God's answers. And while she was thumbing through her prayer journal, the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples, go ye, in Matthew 28, you know, like the Great Commission, sounded in her head. And later that year, Amy committed to spend her life sharing the good news of the gospel as an overseas missionary. (laughs) Okay, so... Amy thought that she was going to go to China. So she applied to the China Inland Mission. But when her trunks were packed, the mission doctor actually turned her down on health grounds. So Amy wasn't always trying to go to India. So much like my own, and perhaps like many of you, there were many bumps, twists, and turns in Amy Carmichael's own ministry. And another twist is when she was accepted to the Japanese Evangelistic Band and left for Japan in 1893. She actually had like a vibrant ministry in Japan with her coworker. I think her name was Masaki-san and prayer again was the driving force of her ministry. But as she was doing work in Japan, sharing the gospel with non-believers, she began to suffer from what we now know is probably neuralgia and yet she still felt really called to her work. So, her doctor recommended that she go to China for a long rest, but she ended up going to Sri Lanka, which back in the day was referred to as Salon, to be with some missionary friends. Again, this is another bump in the road that many people don't know about Amy's life. She felt, though, that the Lord was guiding her very strongly. So... Amy ended up going back home to be with a friend of hers, who many of you that know and love Amy probably recognize. She called him the dear old man. His actual name was Robert Wilson. Robert Wilson, or the dear old man, was like a father to her because she'd lost her father as a teenager. The dear old man suffered from a stroke, and that brought Amy back to England. When she was in England... With the dear old man's help and blessing, she pivoted and she joined the church in England to work with the Zenana Missionary Society in India. And she left Britain at 27 years old and she never returned. I just think that is absolutely astounding that she never went home. Can you imagine that? She didn't have a cell phone. She didn't have email. She just left at 27. So this is yet another, like, just part of Amy's story that the Lord really used to encourage me that, like, all of these things. you know, She thought she was going to go to China. And then she was in Japan and she started suffering from neuralgia and she went to visit friends in Sri Lanka. And then she went home because her adoptive father had a stroke. And now finally at 27, she was leaving for the ministry that you know we all know and love her for. But even then she did not know that she would be working with children. So she started to learn the language, Tamil. And it was really hard. She once said, there are 216 letters in the Tamil alphabet, and now I know there is only one solution to this. Hard work. I thought this was really funny. Amy found the thought that God had once given words to a donkey particularly comforting as she was trying to learn Tamil. So she longed to become one with the people in India. And that was also expressed in her ministry in Japan. She actually started to practice like wearing the same clothes as the locals. And that wasn't typical of missionaries in her particular day and age. So she traded her English frocks for an Indian dress. So she finally passed this exam, her, her Tamil exam. Um, so she knew the local language and after battling to really learn it and master it, she was really excited to begin the true spiritual battle for the souls of men in 1898. And then she moved to Donover, a Christian village, which many of you probably know, if you know Amy's life, she established the Donover fellowship, which is an organization that is still going today. And the very first little girl that the Lord brought to Amy was named Prina. And Prina was adopted from temple service, and Amy became like a mother to her, not knowing that she would soon become a mother to many, many more children. By 1904, Amy had 17 children, six of which were temple children. And she just became convinced that God meant her to be a full-time mother, even though she was not a biological mother, even though she wasn't married. Um, She became a mother, and they called her a ma, which meant mother. Now, we all know that mothering is challenging, right? Prior to having children, prayer had been a very integral part of Amy's ministry, but even more so now that she had all of these kiddos to care for. Another example of a prayer that was answered from her Ask and Receive journal was the baptism of seven Donover girls. Amy said at the time, prayer is the core of our day. Without it, the day would collapse. But how can you pray with one whom you have a grudge against or someone who you have been criticizing to someone else. So you'll see this in her ministry. If you read her works, love was just at the center of everything that she practiced. And she encouraged the people that were at Donover with her to practice the same. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13 was kind of their guiding passage. Every week they would recite first Corinthians 13 together in their classes to remember what love is. And that's been such a wonderful thing for the kids and me to start doing at home. Just to remember love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Now, Amy was resolved that's another thing that resonates with me about her. She she actually withdrew from the missionary society that she joined because it was linked with the Christian missionary society, which no longer affirmed the inspiration of scripture. And she continued to hold fast to scripture and to prayer. And that really has been such an encouragement to me in my own ministry that like a lot of times we want to get ahead of ourselves and think of like, you know, the next process or program that's going to help us to, better engage in ministry, but there is no process and no program like prayer and like the word. There's nothing that we could do that would be more valuable. Amy's life serves as such a reminder for that. You know, at the end of her life, after she had so many kids that had come, she ended up falling into a pit in a medical dispensary. And this was like a hole for a toilet that was actually dug in the wrong place. And they found that she had dislocated her ankle and Broken her leg and she never recovered, never regained full physical mobility. And this is another thing where you just see God's like sovereign provision for her. She ended up being bedridden for the last couple of decades of her life, but there was still no question of retirement. And it was during this time that she wrote many of the 13 books that she published. Now, when Amy was sick, she found herself so unimpressed with the resources for the sick because they were intended for sick people but written by well people so she wrote as a sick person to a sick person reminding them of the hope that they have in the gospel and she finally died and was buried in the garden at donover and that is where there's a little thing that's inscribed that says am i which means mother because she was like a mother to many It's just been amazing because I signed this book contract, you know, with the Good Book Company. They reached out to me. They asked, like, what missionary has had, you know, a strong kind of influence on your life? And, of course, Amy came to mind. And even before I really knew where we were going to be and what the demographic of the people in this city was like, the Lord was going before me. I've got to tell you, like, we are here in Northwest Arkansas, and there are so many Indian people because of, like, the job opportunities here, and it's just been so wonderful, again, to remember that the Lord goes before us in the desires that He places in our hearts. And so I've had the very real opportunity here to be building relationships with Indian people with the hope of sharing the gospel and my love for Christ. How cool is that? I mean, all of these years ago, when the Lord started kind of putting in me this desire to be sharing the gospel with Indian people specifically, I had no idea how that would come to fruition. And I just have to tell you that Amy's life has been such an encouragement to me because her ministry, you know, when she set out to go and be obedient to the calling that God had placed on her to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the Holy spirit. She didn't know where she was going. She thought she was going to go to China originally and ended up in Japan. And then through a series of kind of, you know, minor catastrophes ends up finally in India And then even then, you know, has this debilitating fall that she probably questioned the word on many times. Like, why am I in bed when I could be doing like real ministry, real work? And yet here we are a whole century later, still reading her writings. My whole thing is that I just want you guys to be encouraged, not like by the specifics of my story or the specifics of Amy's story, but really by our God who is sovereignly reigning, over the events of this universe. (laughs) Let me tell you this story. You're not even going to believe me. So I... Wanted to host a book launch party where we could like pray for India and talk about Indian culture and things like that. I've always wanted to do that ever since like college, whenever I used to get together with my friends and we would do world prayer nights and like eat the local food and like try and kind of emulate some of the decor and things like that and just have like a fun time to get together and pray for different countries. So I've wanted to do that for a long time. And of course, whenever I'm publishing this book on Amy Carmichael, I thought like what a perfect opportunity. So I started asking around if anyone knew of an Indian believer who could come and speak at this event that I wanted to have in my backyard. My friend, Erin, connected me with a friend of hers. I don't know if she's comfortable with me using her name, so I'm just going to leave it out, who just so happens, you guys, to be from the very state that Amy Carmichael did ministry in, I kid you not, in Southern India, If you don't know much about India, like every state has its own language. And so she was from the very state where Amy lived, worked, did ministry and died. This friend of mine came and did this backyard event with me and spoke about kind of culture in Southern India. But then even then, the same friend connected me with another friend of hers who is going to India next week from the time I'm recording. And she is going to take my book that I wrote on Amy Carmichael to the Donover Fellowship, the ministry that Amy Carmichael started in the 1900s where all of the children that were rescued from temple slavery and others came, lived, worked, heard about Jesus. And this new friend of mine is literally on her itinerary prior to me even meeting her, had it scheduled to take a trip to visit Doniver and she's going to take my book there. And you're just like, what? Like, Lord, who are you? Who are you? You can orchestrate all of these things. I think about this passage that one of my mentors actually used to encourage me when I felt like my ministry plans were like totally derailed. Um, It's from Isaiah 46. It's verses 9 through 11. It says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. And I think that's the point of this whole conversation is that the Lord, in his sovereign provision for us, is orchestrating all things for his glory. He uses all of these things to accomplish his purpose. So whatever it is that's set before you today, whether it's what you expected or not, you can trust him. You can trust him. I hope this encourages you today. It's been really fun to get to testify to God's faithfulness to me. I hope this whole series on women of the faith has been an encouragement just to trust God and to remember his faithfulness to his people in times past and how that faithfulness is a pattern for the way that he will continue to be faithful to his people in the future. This episode was inspired by my new picture book biography on missionary Amy Carmichael, which releases today, June 19th. You can learn more by searching for Amy Carmichael, the brown-eyed girl who learned to pray wherever books are sold. If you enjoyed this bonus episode, be sure to go back and listen to our Women of the Faith series. We pray that it will inspire you to imitate the godly examples of the women that we've had the privilege of discussing. Lastly, if you are looking for resources from the series, you can find our Journey Women specific storefront with 10 of those bookstore at the link in our show notes. This is our last episode for a while, so be sure you're subscribed so you don't miss new episodes. Journey Women Ministries is a not-for-profit organization that exists to move women to know and love God to find their hope in the gospel and to invest deeply in their local churches as they go out on mission for the glory of God. If you'd like to partner with us to that end, you can find out more at journeywoman.org forward slash give.